Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast, where we're adventuring into the world of mindful modern magic and authentic spiritual practice. It's February 24th, 2022, and today's topic is how you can be authentic in your spirituality, even if you're in the broom closet. Are you ready to grow your soul? Hello, witchy friends. Uh, today I want to dip right into my book, Deep Self Magic, and expand a bit on a topic that I touch on there. But there's, if you haven't picked up your copy yet, the book is a good overview, but there are definitely some topics that could almost be their own whole books or whole chapters. And in the book, I cover them to the extent that they relate to the roadmap that I lay out there. But this is one of the things that most definitely should be its own discussion in a lot of ways. So where I want to start is to spend time fully laying out the context from the book so that in the last two thirds of the episode, we, you know, so you know what I'm talking about and why this is even a thing. And that means starting with a bit of a summary of deep self magic. So the whole focus is authenticity, spiritual authenticity, particularly the need for each of us to not just be authentic, to be in touch with our authentic selves, but for that to shape our spiritual lives and for each of us to build the practice in our lives, which best supports our spiritual identity and needs. And of course, this starts out with shadow work. Our authentic selves aren't the ideal selves that we decide we want to be and try to shape ourselves into. They aren't a version of ourselves that we used to be. They aren't a version of ourselves that we'll be someday. They're actually who we are in the moment, including the parts that we love about ourselves and the parts we don't like so much. And it also includes the parts that we hide. So the first phase really in the book's roadmap is doing shadow work, digging up and examining our, our shadow aspects, that process of integration, and, and really just getting connected to our authentic self. Learning to not just accept, but embrace who we are in our deep self, starting to notice what layers of inauthenticity that we're hiding behind. Then the second part is embodiment learning to live as the authentic selves that we know we are. And that's a process in itself because the longer we've been kind of distanced from who we are, the longer we've been denying and pushing down the parts of ourselves, rejecting the parts of ourselves we don't want to embody, that we think we shouldn't embody, the harder it is even, even if in our minds and our hearts we've come to connect with that authentic self, the harder it is to actually conduct ourselves, carry ourselves that way, and to really assume control in our lives, spiritually and in other ways. Because that's really what it comes down to, right? Like us deciding and setting the terms by which we live, rather than defaulting to the terms set by others. And then the third part of the process is evolution. It's the process of finding our magic, using our authentic abilities, our you know authentic strengths, and that self-awareness to shape who we are and who we become as we grow. And although I only kind of touch on this in passing in the book, there's, first of all, it helps, I think, to think of this process 
in some ways kind of like coming out. So for all of my listeners who are also in the LGBTQ community, this might be the easiest way for you to kind of resonate with this too. But there's like, there's the first part of coming out where it's not really about telling anyone else. It's about coming to understand ourselves, like figuring out what our identity is in that moment, like and dealing internally with the implications, all of that. Then there's the part where we actually begin to do the coming out, figuring out how to embody our identity as we understand it, figuring out how that changes, how we carry ourselves in the world. And then, you know, that that understanding and the fullness of the way that it shapes our lives in that third portion. But what I want to focus on today is that second part, that second phase. Because for those of us who have been or still are not completely open about our spirituality or our beliefs, our practices, it would seem like embodiment really requires us to be out. Like, if we understand who we are, there's, it seems logical or reasonable on paper that if that's who we are and we're supposed to conduct ourselves, carry ourselves in an authentic manner, that means not hiding. Like That means not being fake in any way, not having any layer of pretense or hiding. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest misunderstandings when it comes to authenticity and how it looks in reality. And, you know, I mean, there's the same kind of angst in the coming out process for those in the queer community. Like, some of us do and have felt pressure or some sense of internalized guilt for the time spent in the closet. Like, like it's an act of cowardice or that we are betraying the community or doing it wrong if we aren't open and really just like neon sign level out about who we are. Is it possible to be authentic, to have an authentic spiritual practice and live out our authentic spiritual identity and still be in the broom closet, still sometimes maybe even pretend to not believe or to practice what we do in the interest of safety, of self-protection, of avoiding negative consequences. And while I don't talk about it in the kind of depth that I'm going to go into here in a second in the book itself, I did explicitly say in there, because I think it's super important for everyone reading and listening to, you know, to know, I did explicitly say that the extent to which we choose to be out or not out about any of our identities, about our authentic self, is also part of our authenticity. It, it is absolutely possible to both be in the broom closet and to fully embody an authentic spirituality, spiritual understanding and practice and identity, which is good news, right? <laughs> so next I'm going to start kind of picking apart the dynamics at work in all of this and talk about the relationship between privacy and authenticity. Year two of the Waxing Soul podcast is all about ideas in action. Join my mailing list at bridgetowens.com slash podcast for a weekly self-growth challenge plus all the latest news and more fun stuff. Now back to the episode. I have my theories as to why this is, but somehow I feel like We've gotten the idea of authenticity mixed up with being like 
eccentric or bold or, you know, just being really defiant in the face of societal standards. But that's, you know, for some people that is absolutely an expression of authenticity. Who they are is, is bold and comfortable with all kinds of attention from people. For some people that is authentically true to their deep self. But not everyone. And authenticity, I can't say this enough, authenticity has nothing to do with living up to any standard that is set by anything or anyone other than your deep self. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever voluntarily or purposefully hold ourselves to standards that you know we would have to work to meet. But doing that isn't part of trying to embody our authentic selves. And here's really the foundation of what this all comes down to. Authenticity has everything to do with our relationship with ourselves and nothing really to do with our relationships outside of that. Like our authentic understanding of self, our authentic way of being informs those relationships, but it's not defined by them and it doesn't define them. So the difference isn't in what any relationship looks like on the outside. The difference actually looks like, like let's go back to the thing of coming out as an example. Like there was a long time where I was, and I think this is pretty typical, I was out to some people in my life and not to others. Like in my own self, my own internal understanding of my identity, I knew I wasn't straight. I was connected with and, and comfortable internally with that part of me. I had a girlfriend who is now my wife, and I also knew that there were people and circumstances that were not safe for my authentic self to fully express itself. And part of my authentic, authentic understanding of who I am, who I was, included the understanding that who I was was, yes, a queer woman, and also, yes, a person concerned about continuing to have a job, continuing to be financially stable, concerned about the repercussions of being out and authentic around the wrong people. And our authentic selves include our concerns and priorities and fears and traumas and all of that too. And if we feel guilty for not being totally out, the root of that guilt is part of our authentic self too. Or another example I've used is like body image. Like I'm fat. Like and there have been many times when I really worked hard to not be fat. Now that doesn't mean that my authentic self is one way or the other. Whatever I weigh, whatever size I am at the current moment, and whatever internal feelings I have about it are all authentic. We're only inauthentic if we're lying to ourselves, denying our truth, not in touch with our internal reality, and trying to substitute like a fictional external reality in its place. Like my authentic self isn't a confident skinny woman. My authentic self is the fat woman that I am right now, who is still in the process of working through some of her internalized fat phobia and therefore sometimes still worries about how she looks. So my point is that when it comes to our spiritual identity, our internal spiritual truth, our level of authenticity doesn't change in relation to how open we are about our spiritual practice. It changes in relation to how honest we are with ourselves about our reasons for either being in or out of the broom closet, which I guess 
I should say also that I, I went through that phase as well. Like my wife and I used to cast circles in the living room in the middle of the night, very quietly while my sister was asleep. And we kept all of our ritual stuff hidden in a trunk in a room that nobody else went into but us. And at that point, I ran a, an art gallery and gift shop during that time. And lots of my consignment artists were people that I had met at the pagan meetup. But since my parents ran the business with me, I lied about where I knew them from. And that was authentic to who I was at the time. My authentic self in that moment was emerging from a life in Christianity and was still navigating that transition while also being materially dependent on people whose judgment I knew would be negative. You know, my authentic self at that point prioritized my ability to practice without consequence over my ability to be open about it. Inauthenticity surfaces as motivations, as the things that cause us guilt and shame and causes us to repress things, deny things in ourselves. And I think, I don't think that we think about this much generally, but there's a difference between privacy and hiding. Like there's a difference between being proud of something and yet making a conscious decision to keep it to yourself and, and being ashamed of something, judging yourself for it and hiding it so that others don't get to judge you because you're doing the judging for them. Like there's a difference between the broom closet being a safe space, being the only place where you feel totally secure, being openly authentic. There's a difference between that and the broom closet being a prison, a place of, you know, resentment and shame. So let's, let's go there next. If you love the waxing soul, connect with me online. BridgetOwens.com is the central hub for all my projects, including books, card decks, and resources. Go there to get my latest book, Deep Self Magic, to connect as a potential podcast guest, and to find out all the latest news. Also, find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Bridget Owens Magic, and on Twitter as Waxing Soul. Another thing I talk about in my book is the concept of sacred space and the need for each of us to have those spaces, um, physical, social, and spiritual, where we feel unrestricted in our authenticity, where we are safe from external judgment and pressure to be anything other than who we authentically are. And it's the idea of sacred space as protected space. And I know I went into the concept of sacredness at some point in a recent episode about um, appropriation and closed practices and such. Uh, the whole concept of sacredness is all about protection. You know, a sacred thing is something that is kept from damage, from loss or corruption. So it's a spiritually important, spiritually in the broadest sense, not just the religion adjacent sense. It's spiritually important to have, to create, and maintain sacredness in our lives in the interest of authenticity. Now, I think that there's some kind of ideal for each of us where in our own individual and authentic way, that sacred space, that sacred state of existence gets continually expanded to the point where just, you know, there isn't a significant part of our lives that feels stifling or threatening or whatever. But what that looks like is different. For some of us, sure, that can look like, 
you know, expanding our ability to feel secure in our authenticity, even outside those spaces, so that even when we're in situations that seek to push back on that, that seek to get us to change and stifle our authentic expression, we feel confident and secure in our defiance. And that's what we see in those people who are just so out, so out and proud about who they are, the, you know, the thing that I think a lot of us think about when we talk about authenticity, when we talk about wanting to be more authentic. That's the form of expansive personal sacredness that we see in others. Because the other form, or at least another form of this ideal state, is expanding the safe space, expanding our curated, created, sacred space so that our need to exist in spaces which don't support our authentic way of being is minimized. And there's not, one is not better than the other. It's not authentic for everyone to aspire or to feel called to be as open and visible as possible. Like the point is that in many ways for those of us who are, or used to be covert about our practice, who spent time practicing in the broom closet, that was and might still be the core of our sacred space in life. And whatever that looks like, spiritual growth and evolution, I think, nearly always involves constantly seeking to expand our access to that kind of nurturing environment in our existence. And the solution, and this is something I think a lot of the like LGBTQ community would back me up on, the solution to feeling like you're too stifled, too restricted in whatever you know, closet situation you're in, isn't usually to just throw open the closet door and run out into whatever awaits outside. It's to constantly find more and more spaces which feel safe in the way that that closet does. Like more and more ways to take that feeling of safety. And by that, I mean it being safe to be authentic, to be fully embodied in your authenticity to take that feeling out into new spaces. And that means finding communities, even individual people with whom you can be yourself and who support you as you grow and evolve. It means literally finding, creating and maintaining spaces like physical spaces where you can go to feel supported and safe in your authenticity. This might like, you know, be a place to retreat. This might be like a place where you, where you're, safe community gathers. This might be your own personal private space. And all of this can even include finding like social media communities and spaces. The more we actually focus on finding and then spending time in those circumstances where we can fully embody and express ourselves and practice the way we feel called to practice, the closer we get to whatever our ideal sacred life looks like. And I think that there's one more, if there's one more like really crucial point that I want to make before I close the episode, it's this. Whatever emotions we feel about not being able to fully and freely practice whatever our spiritual practice is, those emotions are the keys to that closet. Like it's absolutely valid to desire to change the parts of the world that are a threat just because of different beliefs or whatever. Like that desire to push back, to get away even, is totally understandable and valid. But the feelings that arise around that, like resentment, shame, all of that, 
doing the shadow work and figuring out what part of your authentic self the the feelings and emotions come from and what they mean about your worldview and your priorities and your core way of being all of that is work that gets you further connected with your shadow and gets you tied into your authentic self and if there's a measure of authenticity it could be the intensity of those kinds of emotions that you feel about your situation because when we're firmly grounded in authenticity and and fully accepting of our our current reality as as something that can only be changed as time moves forward that can't be changed in the present or the past it makes it easier to focus that emotional energy our spiritual energy on the future changes rather than on things that we can't change and it's those future changes that you know if you're hoping to get out of the broom closet to to get to a point where you can freely practice as you want to it's those future changes which make that possible thank you so much for listening new episodes of the waxing soul drop every thursday all materials and resources except the music are copyright bridget owens many thanks to my readers listeners friends mentors inspirations and my family for riding with me into season two and until next week blessed be and be good to yourself